Good morning, how we doing? It's a little better, all right. Can you hear me? <laughs> Am I loud enough down there? Ms. Diane, you got me? In the back, you got me pretty good? All right, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. I know you feel like we're probably going a little slow, but if you know me, that's a good thing. Acts chapter 5, our fourth Sunday in this chapter as we continue trekking along through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 21. If your translation is like mine, I use the ESV, there's a paragraph there that splits verse 21. We're going to begin in that new paragraph. So if you're there, honk your horn for me. Fantastic. All right, Acts 5, verse tw- uh, second half of verse 21. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for this weather. We're thankful for the cool breeze that you're giving us. And so God, we pray that you would help us to feel you like we feel this breeze. Help us to feel your presence, stir our hearts with the truth of your word. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. All right. When we look at history, history is full of people who have given their lives to obey God rather than man. I mean, they've got a book out about it called Fox's Book of Martyrs that you can pick up. And it'll give you accounts of people who have given their lives for the sake of the gospel. And they were martyred, they were killed for their faith, most likely because they were disobeying man, but obeying God. Now today, in the world we live in, we know that we may have to disobey man in order to obey God. There comes a time where that is okay and that is called for. When we, we, we looked last week at Martin Luther, who was a, a, a father of the Reformation, where when he was approached by the Roman Catholic Church to recant everything that he had said and written about the gospel... Martin Luther says, here I stand, I can do no other. And we see, especially through the book of Acts, we see a church, a church that is being persecuted 
for what they believe in. And not only what they believe in, but the message that they are proclaiming. Remember, the people that are having the biggest problem right now in this chapter are the Sadducees. They are a, a group of Jewish religious leaders who, who do not believe in the resurrection, who do not believe in angels or miracles. But here in this chapter, as we saw last week, God brought an angel to get the, get the, the apostles out of jail to go and preach the life, to go and preach Christ. Everything that the Sadducees disagreed with, God used to make a point. God used so that the church will continue. Last week we looked at how the church cannot be stopped. It can't. We've seen accounts recently in the past few years of people who have made a stand in their faith by obeying God rather than man. I'm thinking of the cake bakers who, because of their faith, because of what they believed in, did not want to bake a cake for same-sex marriages. I'm thinking of the clerk of, the clerk of court who did not want to sign the marriage license for a same-sex couple and was persecuted for it. Whether or not you agree with what they did, understand that they made a stand for what they believed in. That their faith was priority. And they desired to obey God rather than man, no matter the cost. No matter the cost. Here we see Peter and the other apostles who are being persecuted because of this message that they carry. They stand firm in this message. They stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ because of what they believe about it. And what they believe about it is the thought that I'm going to give you for this morning's message. It's just a few words. Again, aren't y'all loving the main ideas being short? I don't know what's going on with that, but this one's only five words long. The gospel is worth it. That's today's message. That's the main idea from this text. The gospel is worth it. The gospel is worth putting our lives on the line. The gospel is worth forsaking all things. The gospel is worth being willing to make a stand so that we are obeying God rather than man. The gospel is worth it. And the apostles are showing us this. And this is a message. You see, there's one thing we like to do here. We love verse-by-verse verse expositional preaching. We love to go through books of the Bible. And this is why. Because we believe every passage, we believe every sermon, we believe this entire book is relevant to today. We are not here to make Scripture relevant. We are here to show you how Scripture is relevant. And this morning, in the world we live in, in what we are dealing with, in the culture we are surrounded with, do you believe that the gospel is worth it? Are you willing to be persecuted for the gospel you believe in? Are you willing to put your life on the line for the message of the gospel? Are you willing to, to, to risk your job? Are you willing to risk your families? 
There's a, 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 the book by David Platt called Radical. I think it was the second one called Radical Together. There's an account. And I, and I know I've shared this with you before, but this, this account is just so heavy. This woman, she's in another country where if you become a Christian, it is, you, are, you are to be put to death. And this woman becomes a, a follower of Christ. And her husband finds out And what does her husband do? He drives her to her parents' house for dinner, drops her off, and her parents have her poisoned and have her killed. Because she put her faith in Jesus Christ. So church, let me ask you, is the gospel worth it? Is the gospel worth it? We do, we do secret church here. They do it in the, in the spring with David Platt and, and they give testimonies of people in other countries. I love living in the South. They do testimonies of people in other countries where the gospel is illegal and you see where their, their faces are shadowed and their voices are muffled because they have to be safe. They're putting their lives on the line to share the gospel. So church, let me ask you again, is the gospel worth it to you? I'm so thankful we live in a country where we are free to worship. However, if you're like me and you're out in the world and people know what you believe in and what you stand for, people are not always going to like you. People are going to call you bigots. People are going to call you hateful. People are going to call you judgmental. People are going to write you off. They don't want anything to do with you because of the message you proclaim. So church, is it worth it? The main idea is that yes, it is worth it. The gospel is worth it. And we see that the gospel is worth it because when we preach, number one, we preach despite the threats of man. We preach the gospel despite the threats of man. This wind is something else, huh? Verse 21, now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. One, one influencer for me this year, being in seminary, you're having to read a lot of books. And for my preaching class, I had to find a historical mentor, so I'm reading a lot of biographies. But but John Payton, I've mentioned his name several times. Pick up his autobiography if you ever get a, get a chance. It is phenomenal. You'll be on the edge of your seat the entire time. But there is, there is several times 
where John Payton, who was a missionary to the New Hebrides, they were a cannibalistic people. They were unreached. They were lost. They had never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And John Payton goes, shares the gospel with them. And there are several times, there is one instance where, where one, of the, one of the native people has a musket aimed at him for an entire day, cocked and ready to go, aimed at him. And John Payton walked around, did his business, shared the gospel with him, and this, 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 this native just continued aiming his, his gun at him, ready to kill him. John Payton had threats on his life by the native people that they would come and eat him. Did you hear me? They would come and eat him because he was spreading this gospel. It was against the gods they believed in. He was willing to risk his life despite the threats of man. Here we see the apostles. This is not the first time they've been told to not preach. They were just arrested. They were just in prison for doing this. And an angel comes, breaks them out and says, go and teach the gospel of life. And what do they do? They obey despite the threats of man. They obey. Because why? Because guys, if God is for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. The, he the gates of hell will not prevail. I mean, there's so much scripture we can throw at you to show you that we do not have to fear the threats of men when it comes to proclaiming the gospel. We do not have to fear it for our lives. We see in verse 24, now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them. Guys, let me tell you something. The works of God causes perplexity in man. When we make a stand for our faith, I will even argue, when we make a stand for our faith and when we tell man that we're not going to obey, obey you, we're going to obey God, man will be perplexed by that. They will be wondering what is going on. These officers were wondering after, after hearing about these apostles being released from prison, but yet the, the prison is secure. What's going on here? If we don't believe in the resurrection, if we don't believe in miracles, then explain this. I went to a David Blaine um, experience, if you want to call it, in Asheville. David Blaine is an illusionist and he does some of the craziest stuff. And I remember leaving that place thinking, how does he do that? But I also remember leaving the place thinking, it's all fake. But this, the perplexity that these people were experiencing when seeing that the apostles had been released from prison. This isn't fake. What is going on here? How did this happen? When we proclaim Christ despite the fear of man, when we make a stand, when we obey God, people will be perplexed. They'll be perplexed at your boldness. They'll be perplexed at your steadfastness. They'll be perplexed at the message that you proclaim. Because they'll be wondering, is it worth it? 
you're willing to put your life on the line. Is that message really worth it? I think about, I've got a friend who is in a foreign country. We can't even talk about where he is. And him and his wife, if, if he, is, he is in an underground church. Guys, he's putting his life on the line for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is worth it. Church, there are people out there who do this because the gospel is worth it, despite the, the threats of man. Why? Because they fear God greater than they fear man. Check out verse 26. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When we are sitting here looking at the apostles, they did not have a fear of man. They stood in the temple courts. They proclaimed the gospel. But yet when the, when the officers come to arrest them, they do so quietly without force. Why? Because they're afraid of the men. They're afraid of, of, of causing an uproar. They have a greater fear of man than the apostles do. Church, this message we carry, we do not, we should not have a fear of man. Why? Because this message we carry is worth it. This message that, that, that saves lives, saves souls from the depths of hell. This message that saves people from their sin. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We proclaim this message because it's life or death to us. We have loved ones that we know that are lost. We have friends that we know that are lost, co-workers that we know that are lost, and we know if they were to die today, they would go to hell. Does that not give you this hole, this, 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 this lump in the pit of your stomach? Does it not give you some type of drive or unction to share the gospel? Despite the fear of men, I don't care what they say. We, we in America have a problem with evangelism because we're afraid of what people are going to say to us. We're not afraid of death because that we're not even thinking about it. People don't, don't always die in America for preaching. But we get ridiculed. We get our feelings hurt. Church, the gospel is worth that. Because people are dying. Without it, if you knew the, the reality of hell, if you knew the reality that those that you love dearly who don't know Christ, they were to die right now. There is no second chance. But yet we will not share the gospel because we're afraid of what they're going to say to us. How dare we keep our mouth shut? How dare we put ourselves on that type of pedestal? How dare we worry about humiliating ourselves when there's somebody dying without the gospel? I'm preaching to myself this morning. When is the truth going to bring us to our knees? 
When is the gospel going to truly grab our hearts and help us to see that? We shouldn't fear man. Because the gospel is worth it, we preach it despite the threats of man. And number two, we preach it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Look at verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem. I love it. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. We charged you not to teach in this name. We told you, we, we told you not to bring it up. You, do you think maybe they're, they're being kind of tired of being told that they're the ones that killed Christ? Church, we proclaim the gospel in the name of Jesus. We're not here to build the name of Red Cross. We're not here to build my name let me ask you a question some of you can probably answer more than others but can you name all the former pastors of this church without looking at the 50th anniversary book that we have can you name them all every single one of them no you one or two of you probably can i know a couple people in our church that probably can but the majority of us know. Why? Because we preach the gospel and then we die and then we're forgotten. We preach the gospel, we die and we're forgotten. Why? Because we're preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. Preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. No greater name. There's no greater name. There's no other name by which people may be saved. You follow Buddha, you're going to go to hell. You follow Muhammad, you're going to go to hell. You follow yourself, the God of yourself, you're going to go to hell. But when you turn to the name of Jesus, when you, when you, return, when you turn to Him, that if anyone confesses that He is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised Him from the dead, they will be saved. We preach the gospel in the name of Christ because there's no greater name. It's in his name that we find hope. It's in his name that we find strength. It's in his name that we find boldness. It's in His name that we find joy and comfort because it is by this name that one day every knee will bow and will confess that He is Lord. 
Church, we preach the gospel in the name of Christ because when he walked this earth, when he came from the glories of heaven and walked this earth, lived the life that we should have lived and couldn't and died the death that we should have died, he did not fear the threats of man. Truly God and truly man was willing to give it all he poured himself out. He emptied himself to the point of being a servant, willing to die for us. Oh, wretched man that I am. Why would, why would God ever die for a man like me? Why would he, why would he bleed and suffer for me? I'm the worst sinner here. I don't deserve the grace that he's given me. I don't deserve the mercy he's given me. There is no greater name. Because it is by the name of Jesus that we see true love, true grace, and true mercy. I will, I will shout his name from the rooftops until the day I die. I, I hope I do. Church, we live in a culture where we need the gospel. Did you see the rioting last night? Do you see the political division in our country? Do you see the sin of hatred and racism? Do you see the sin of, of, of people wanting to live however they want to live? There is no other name that needs to be proclaimed today than Jesus Christ. No greater name. And we proclaim that gospel in his name. Why? Because the gospel is worth it. And more importantly, not only is the gospel worth it, but Christ is worth it. He gave our lives. He gave his life for us. We should give our lives for him. He suffered and died for us. We should live for him. If there's anybody here this morning that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, may, may I plead with you to turn from your sin and to turn to Him. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Church, is the gospel worth it? Is it worth it to you? Is it worth living for it? Is it worth dying for? Is it worth being threatened by man? I know we live in a country where you're like, where are we being threatened? Let me tell you, we, we live in a free country, but we live in a postmodern country. We live in a country that believes you can have your God and your sin too. And let me tell you, that's not what the Bible tells us. Jesus is worth it.
Jesus is our treasure. And I, I don't know about you, but I would much rather obey God than man. Is he worth it? Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful. We are thankful for your word. We are thankful for you sending your son to die for our sin. So God, help us to see that the gospel is worth it. Help us to see that living for you is worth it. Because you are worth it. You are our treasure. Help us to run the race that is set before us looking to Christ as the perfecter and founder of our faith. Help us like Paul to bear the the title to live as Christ and to die as gain. Help us like Paul when we come to the end of our lives where we can say that I have finished the race that I have kept the faith. Help us, God, to endure, to be bold, to be a witness. Help us to be strong through your strength. God, we thank you. Help us to see that your gospel, your son, you are worth it. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray.